Hello and welcome back to LexCon Crypto. We're excited that you are here for yet another episode. Uh, today, Alex and uh, I are in the studio and we're focused today around this, uh, this pesky question that's been bothering us for a little bit. When you're involved in the crypto space, you, you have to do a lot of wondering. You wonder where this is all going, uh, what's going to happen next. You wonder what new technology is going to be introduced. Um, what new uh, crime is going to be uh, uh, perpetrated. There's uh, all sorts of uh, things that, that we uh, speculate and wonder about. And so we thought we would do an episode on uh, just that. What is it that we are wondering about this week in relation to uh, the crypto market and specifically around uh, regulation? Yeah, I, Andrew and I, I have like, there? you know, this banter going, but we necessarily wanted to split up a couple episodes for you. One with what we're watching in the news, what we've been seeing, and two, what we're wondering, uh, being things that aren't maybe grounded so much in news stories, concepts being put into words, things that maybe are a little bit futurist, maybe overly um uh, paranoid or excited on our part, but this is the safe space for us to share some of our wonder. And I know Andrew has a couple topics of wonder for us. What do I you do. got? My first thing that I'm just wondering about, and I, I want you to know that it's not wondering at the level of losing sleep at night wondering, but definitely something I think about is what does the outcome of this midterm election have on the development of crypto regulation? And um, of course, there are several bills, two in the Senate, three or four in the House that um, are being closely watched and have come very close to uh, completion, but just were, did not have uh, enough bipartisan support to be able to get uh, through to the, the the House or Senate calendars and to get votes on, and so I'm very very uh, curious. I'm, I'm wondering how the uh, outcome of the midterm election does power swing from the from from Democrat hands uh, in the House to Republican hands. Uh, you know, is there a shift in in the Senate? Um, does really? that? Mean I mean, you're you're a student of political person that it surprises me. Like you said, you're not being kept up at night. Not that level of wonder. But I would say for you, it's not an uninformed, you know, curiosity. I would no, think that I, you have a pretty good sense of, yeah, Republicans are probably going to take the House. Well, um, it's, it's, a, it's a historical fact that the party um, who loses the presidency wins the midterm election. It is the it is the anomaly that the, that the the party who wins the presidency also wins the midterm. That's just. Uh, do you think? Do you think that the wonderment of it for you is the fact that? you know, this is happening. Like so many of these, th so many of these unresolved regulatory things in crypto that well, you know, it, maybe folks like you and me have been riffing on for a while seems that we are maybe but months away from decisions such no. that people who win in November will result in come January, February, March, some harder and faster rules. What it really is, is more than particularly party it's the personalities who get appointments. It's the personalities who take uh, committee chairs. And um, that really is going to determine the makeup of the of the regulation. So, you know, finding people driven. Yes. Yes. 
And, and so, you know, is there a potential that you get sort of a, um, a very conservative, um, stodgy, almost um, anti-innovation type of uh, Republican? I think it's possible. Um, both parties have have those for sure. Um, and, you know, could could an appointment like that disrupt the momentum that a particular co- committee had around um, some legislation? I think that that is absolutely possible. That's my, interesting. My, if you have a cultural traditionalist who is otherwise a free market person, but that traditionalist impulse might override their economic ideology. Yeah, definitely. And when a party switches hands, there's a there's a, a bunch of people who get promoted. And, you know, as a congressperson, you want to take whatever the most powerful committee is. And so perhaps you have, like, for instance, a Patrick McHenry, who has a very influential bill and has a very powerful role, but also is definitely in line for a pretty significant promotion inside of the Republican caucus. Could he be promoted to a place where his influence over that particular committee could be uh, changed or diminished? I think, you know, there's possibilities for that to happen. And if that happens, does that change the makeup of the bill? And there's, there's that's some, a, that's a good point. We should, we should put in the show notes, uh, some of the speculation, uh, in Politico recently about some of the pre-election maneuvering within the Republican party yeah. for some of those, uh, party leadership positions. One that I read that's relevant to us is, uh, a challenge, uh, for House Conference Chair that could be made by freshman Congressman Byron Donalds of Florida, mm. who's um, a MAGA Republican, a former financial advisor before he represented his district in Southwest Florida. So he has some finance chops. So someone with those kinds of finance chops, if they wind up in a leadership position, uh, I would actually suggest that he would be quite good for crypto and blockchain. I think he's I think he generationally gets it. I think he'd be hip to it. I think he'd strike the right balance between consumer protection and innovation. Right. Uh, but you're right. Somebody like that, you know, a McHenry, a Donalds, they could have uh, a new a new bully pulpit. Uh, actually, it's right. beyond a bully pulpit, right? It's because they already have their microphones. But yeah, more uh, greater power within committees and caucuses. Right. Yep. It, it could be a very uh, could change person driven thing. So I, yeah, you're wondering about that. What else are you mm-hmm. wondering about? The other thing I'm wondering about is the announcement today from the SEC of a fine of $1.3 million against Kim Kardashian for uh, advertising and promoting a, uh, a coin. Now we can all speculate that perhaps the coin was, was a, a sort of a scam coin and, and wrong and all those sorts of things. But Here's, here's why this makes it tricky. Right now, what, may, what we may not understand or know is that uh, advertising a coin and particularly a purchase of a coin on most major digital advertising platforms is illegal, is banned. So you're not allowed to advertise on Google or Facebook or Instagram or a lot of the, the main uh, stream types of channels. So the main avenue for most crypto companies today is to use uh, alternative methods of advertising, including uh, influencers. And influencers is a very large part of the uh, of the market. And every influencer of any significance in the crypto space and outside has at one point or another uh, shilled for a coin. And um, whether it's a whether, whether it's shilled a, for a coin, 
That's Schultz funny. That's like a shilling reference. There's something there. It's some. It's so it's it's prominent. There's a lot of evidence of this, and it's interesting that the SEC decided that after after more than I mean easily ten years of this occurring, they're going to choose Kim Kardashian as their example of who they want to go after. Uh, Floyd Merriweather, Elon Musk, others have prominently. Um, promoted coins and uh, advocated for the purchase of them. And so it's a very interesting uh, a piece approach. Is it a message to every other influencer to be very careful about how they're engaging with these companies? Um, you know, being, being someone in the space who works with influencers, I know that many are, are earning their life's uh, income and, and living off of this business. So um, will be very interesting. I'm wondering how this announcement affects um, that market? And does it ultimately shut off yet another avenue for crypto companies to be able to advertise? Yeah. You know, prior to you mentioning that, I wouldn't have thought myself as somebody who'd be drawn into champion Kim Kardashian. Uh, But selective prosecution in any form is something that just really, really bothers me. Yeah. Um, I actually, this is strange. I don't know if you know this. I attended the arraignment of Rod Blagojevich. Talk about uh, people who became, if yep. not influencers, you know, maybe maybe celebrities or B-list uh, reality show uh, types. I attended his arraignment er, arraignment on corruption in federal court in Chicago. Yeah, uh, because I want to set the example. While I'm generally involved in more Republican politics, and I did not like the uh, what I considered improper prosecution of Bob McDonald, former governor of Virginia, for white collar crime on a services fraud, you know, it was important to me to show up to witness something that I was, I thought was wrong against right. somebody who was, was a, of a party different than mine and um, maybe was an easy target because of how much he flapped his mouth. Right. And um, right. it's, it's, yeah. So that, that is an interesting one that you share. Can I hit you with my three points Please. of wonderment? Please. All right. So like you, while I was trying to bifurcate out things that we're watching in the news versus things that we're wondering that are maybe a step or two more removed by regular reporting, yeah. you and I are are reading enough that oftentimes, you know, our wonderment is inspired by stuff that we're reading. And right. uh, Larry Tab, a Bloomberg writer, yes. he recently tweeted about Ethereum becoming the benchmark return rate. And that gives me wonderment because when I work in other investment spaces and, and I do some traditional stock investing, uh, I find that I get quite a bit of pushback by analysts in an investment club that I have when I'm asking for benchmarks. When we have a new fund strategy or something, and you know, I don't want the S&P. You know, I want some sort of exchange traded fund or actively managed mutual fund in the space to measure up our dabbling, whether it's a sector play or um, a capsized play of some kind. Um, I always want to always want to measure myself and ourselves against something and who or how benchmarks in crypto will be established. Yeah. you know, good luck. You know, I, I think uh, if it's the case that the the trading volume is that much higher on a select one or two crypto, that might be a really easy way for that to become the benchmark. 
there's some sense that Tab had that it's um, post merge that right. Ethereum has emerged as a benchmark rate of return with some risk free rates of return comps. Yeah, uh, but we'll include the the article to that. But the idea of any kind of a benchmark in the crypto space is is one that. I can't even imagine. Yeah, be, yeah, no, be, because I, cause I get that pushback on, hey, what are we trying to do here if we do a mega cap value play? And that shouldn't be that that hard to find like a Vanguard ETF that tries to do just that. And like, yeah, we're trying to go against that. Um, but junior analysts just hate. It's not that they hate accountability, I don't think. Maybe that's it, though. Maybe it's like, you know, the second you have a point of reference. yeah. The, or the, being judged for things that are ultimately out of their control. Yeah, um, maybe that's what the discomfort is. You know, it's something um, like that. I, I think one that I have. Can, is, I, can I hold on? Let me yeah, let me go with that. I think this when it changing to the proof of stake, the, the 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 merge that occurred and the new consensus protocol that Ethereum has has evolved to needs to reach greater distribution before I think it could become. Um, what, you know, he's talking about as a benchmark. I think it's totally possible. But to date, you know, still two nodes control over 46% of the uh, transactions that are occurring on Ethereum. I think that there's, a, it need, we need to see a much broader uh, adoption after uh, after the merge in order to, to really see that come, come true. But Ethereum is the only chain at this point with the number of um, exchanges and, you know, uh, other dApps playing on top of it to be able to give us any sense of a industry-wide and truly a, a, a benchmark. So if if it can reach um, a broader uh, consensus, greater distribution, if if we can see, you know, adoption and transactions of significance, then I, I think he, he could be right. He could be, it could be emerge in that way if we get to the point where it's a benchmark and it becomes you know one of the uh you know when like folks on the radio you know read how the dow is doing or something you know when you're watching non-financial news like not cnbc or you're not checking out something on on bloomberg or whatever um where you'll have just a regular news bloke reading and the dow is down today 20 (laughs) points and like you could tell by the way that they misread it Right. They don't realize like how insignificant from a percentage standpoint it is. But if we get right. to the point where Ethereum as a benchmark is just included with what the Dow did and what the S&P did, and we allow non-financial people to read that as um, as some sort of regular statistic that we encounter, that would be, that would be huge. Right. <laughs> All right. Check this out. Here's the, here's the other one. So, um, so Robert Kiyosaki, who is... Um, an enormous name in passive income investing, in real estate investing. His book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, is the gateway book for so many people to start investing in alternative asset classes. Um, I've observed in recent years, however, that he has been shilling for silver. Uh, So a lot of people who really have been into him and he never did it for me. You know, I read the book. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer in investing in in real estate. It works for me. But I wonder sometimes for people who so admire him and so admire his book, well, at what point do you stop taking his advice? You know, do you decide to not follow him into silver? 
he tweeted recently uh, about Bitcoin as a, quote, buying opportunity. And I always feel uncomfortable when anybody on television categorizes something as a buy or somebody tweets something as a buy without knowing their audience or specifying an audience. And how can you arbitrarily give? It's exactly what the SEC It's exactly what the SEC was talking about. I mean, so that's that's irresponsible. And what I would say to Mr. Kiyosaki, however, is, well, if it is a buying opportunity in your universe of known holds, are you buying that Bitcoin with Ethereum or other cryptos that you're selling? Are you buying that Bitcoin with your next earned US dollars from your cash flowing real estate? Are you buying that Bitcoin with real estate that you're selling? Are you buying that Bitcoin with silver that you're selling? So where does the money come from for Bitcoin as a buy? Yeah. Is is a question that I would have for him. Good call. And then my last one where I have to disclose um, an investment interest, at least at the level of a friends and, and family round, is a company called Shepherd out of New York. Um, and that's a very close personal relationship. The the founder and I were best men for one another at weddings. So there's that kind of a close relationship. Yep. Um, and he has an AI company that's advised by an NYU psychology PhD on buying behavior. It's a platform that makes the value proposition to users that it will help you find the right car. Um, help you plan the right vacation. And what's right is based on your friends' choices. So okay. it's an AI that's highly influenced by what your friends and your social network have decided to do. Yeah. With the, the notion being something akin to, um, man, a lot of people in your socioeconomic personal set have made the decision about that minivan. Do you really need to reinvent the wheel in deciding uh, which way to go. You know, do you land on the Honda Pilot or the Chevy Traverse? You probably don't need to spend time on that because your friends already have sort yeah. of a notion. Yeah. So so my wonder is where compliantly a company like that can go. So other than help me find the right car, which was their an initial one, the one that Shepherds worked on the most, there are six others. And the two that are the, the most financy are Help me decide on a credit card and help me choose a bank. What I'm wondering is, can a company like that go into, help me decide what crypto to dabble in? Right. Because I I think a lot of people are wondering about that. There's FOMO, fear of missing out in crypto. Oh, yeah. Such that people who don't have a lot to invest or a lot that they're inclined to invest want to hold at least a nominal amount of crypto so they can say or feel that they didn't miss out on the apple of our generation or yeah. or whatever it is. Yep. yep. And some people perhaps make that buying decision based on what's offered on a trusted or already used app. So for some people, I know that PayPal really helped narrow down the choices because they made it that easy. Right. To buy and hold for free. Right. Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Bitcoin Cash. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Can Shepard help people pick a crypto without being in this kind of advice business where they open themselves up to all kinds of exposure? Yeah. So I think that it's a company that uh, is onto something, can provide some useful services, but are there areas where they can't help educated educate folks on what their friends are likely dabbling in because of compliance reasons? Can they, by way of AI, allude to what they think that their friends are going for? Right. Well, interesting extension of that is, of course, with the with any crypto purchase, it's uh, publicly available on the ledger. And so a company using AI could actually, you know, given, given some, some uh, key bits of information, actually attach, you know, your friends' crypto portfolios, assemble that pretty easily. There's some companies who are already doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that could be even a, a pretty interesting extension, even if it wasn't a uh, making buy recommendations, but simply saying, you know, here's here's some of your friends' crypto portfolios uh, and an estimate of you know essentially what percentages that they are uh, holding onto, uh, what what make up that portfolio. I think could be could be pretty interesting. Mm. Um, you know, with a, with a MetaMask address or something like that, you can really track a lot. You can find out a lot a lot of information. Everybody's wallet's public, so you know um, what they're holding, and you know you know from what chains they're buying it from, so you know what coin they're holding and percentages. So it could be, you're right. It could be interesting. And if Shepard, you know, is, is the company that, that does that, or if there's other companies, you could imagine it's sort of seems like a, a interesting idea um, to be able to navigate. Rogers and, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. That's it. Dude. And, but if people are, if most people are not financially incentivized to give that advice right. about right. when to hold or when to fold, is there something with a little bit more um, credibility or skin in the game or verifiability to help nudge people in a direction or help give them some sort of comfort level that that which they are exploring has some basis Yeah. in reality? I mean, it's easy to see what, what car your friends are driving. It's easy to see their pictures on Facebook about where they've vacationed. Um, a lot of people, I think I have, I have some vantage into vantage points into this. A lot of people have have a lot of misperceptions about what kind of financial decisions their friends are making, right? Where their friends are at in terms of their their savings or what their portfolios look like, right? Um, right. But with with that FOMO, um, is there a way to um, give them some more accurate sense about how mainstreamed specific crypto choices are in their social sets? Yeah. That's yeah, interesting. It's very interesting. Hey, um, not to not to riff off your illustration of the uh, Kenny Rogers song, but I think uh, it's time to fold this episode. Can I sing another? Islands in the stream. There you go. That is what we are. <laughs> Nowhere in between. How can we be wrong? See, we're, see, we first knew that knew that melody from like Maya in Ghetto Superstar. But I'm now an older soul, and I've, I'm reaching back to the Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton. You're in touch. Yeah, you with better that. wrap this up, otherwise I'm going to keep singing. We're 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 declining. Yes. Hey, folks, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Lexicon Crypto. 
I hope that this was uh, insightful and valuable to you. If if it was, we'd love for you to follow us. And we're found on every major podcast platform uh, from Spotify to Apple Podcast uh, and uh, many more. Hail away follow with us me on, uh, to on LinkedIn. Make sure to subscribe and uh, come back for our next episode. We're looking forward to it. I promise you, I will stop Alex from singing. And we'll on rely the next on each other.